This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Adam Jabber. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast, and today we have Ulrich Bartholomew. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Um, the dude is incredible. If you don't know, he just completed the Tour Divide and won it uh, just a few hours shy of the all-time record, and he kind of goes into the factors that prevented him from reaching the record, his nutrition, his like where his mental state was at, and what the whole experience was like. For anybody that is looking to do a longer race like this, I mean, this took, I don't know, 13 days, 14 days, something like that. Like it, yeah, 14 days, three hours and 23 minutes. It's so bizarre. So anybody that's looking to do a longer race, this is a must, must listen to. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy it. I really enjoyed chatting with them. Um, shout out to the crew from Velocio 2. Those guys hooked up this interview, and they actually sent me the entire kit that he raced in, uh, and the stuff is incredible. This is not an ad, but the Anorak um, from Velocio, it's like a rain jacket that's extremely breathable. I'm super happy with that. And then the Line SE jersey, the Lux bib, which is the softest bib I've ever used. I mean, it's the shit is so good, and, and you know this if you've ever had anything from Velocio. So shout out to those guys. I appreciate them hooking up the interview. Uh, before we jump into the show, a couple housekeeping things here. We got new articles on the site every single week, uh, from reviews to which are also available on YouTube to regular articles and uh, keep an eye out. We got the gear guide coming out in the fall um, sometime in September. So very excited for that. We got some awesome writers for it and some really great content uh, that'll come out in that thing that will only be available in the gear guide. Fisher Skis is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast. Fisher has been our partner for a long time, maybe our longest standing partner at this point, and that is because they make the best skis in the ski industry. As far as I'm concerned, you can check out the all-new Transalp series, which is the best touring ski for my money, especially if you want to do some longer ski journeys. It is absolutely it's a must ski on. I mean, this it actually skis well as opposed to most touring skis, which ski like garbage. And it is twice as good as the old Hannibal series and the old Transalp series, which was already pretty good. But they took a focus to actually make sureing, make sureing, make sure, making sure that this thing skis well. So check that stuff out. Go to fishersports.com. Um, and if you have questions, feel free to email me. I'm always happy to help. It's just Adam at outofpodcast.com. This is, uh, I am your resource if you need some new skis. I'm happy to happy to help. Um, also, shout out to Rebel Bikes. We talk a lot about some endurance riding, uh, and I've been riding my Rebel Rover as far as I possibly can this summer. I am having a blast on the thing, and if you're looking for a gravel bike for the mountain bike folks out there, this is a perfect bike. Wide wide range of tires can fit on this thing. I've got two wheel sets for it, for road and for gravel. Um, and it is, uh, it's so good. It's just so good. So we've got a review on the YouTube page right now and an article on bikemag.com that kind of talks all about the new Revel. And uh, yeah, I'm psyched on it. So that's enough from me. I hope you enjoy this this interview with Uba. Talk to you soon. Uba, tell me who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then let's go from there. Yeah. So my name is uh, Ulrich Bartholomeus, uh, shortly just Uber. Uh, it's uh, it's a bit easier to, to pronounce. <laughs> um, 
I lived uh, in Germany for something like uh, 35 years now living in Spain and um, yeah I'm I, I like I like cycling a bit <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so <laughs> so the main thing I do is uh, is long distance cycling because um, I like it a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, long distance means uh, everything beyond a uh, thousand kilometer so everything beyond uh, two days and uh, yeah open end how long it takes uh, cycling non-stop that's uh, that's my favorite thing what what got you into that side of the sport because it's kind of a unique approach to take I mean people obviously do these long rides as like a bucket list item or something that they want to check off on a box but you're enjoying to like doing these all the time so how, how did you get into this mindset and what do you like about it well it was uh, it was actually a longer journey so i started cycling when i was young when i was still going to school um back then i was riding downhill bike so not even that much climbing like it was more going up the up the hill with a trailer and then just sending it down um and uh, after school I stopped cycling at all for something like 10 years because of uh, studies, because of the job and um, stuff like this. And um, now, 10 years ago, back in in 2013, um, I bought my first road bike. And um, I would say I started cycling uh, like normal people do. So going out for a ride like, a couple of times um, a week, nothing special, um, just like enjoying the time on the bike. And I figured out it helped me pretty much to to deal with other things in life, um, to deal with my job and everything. So it, it helped me to, let's say, clear the mind a bit. Um, so I started cycling more and more and did it more on a daily basis. And um, then I got uh, into into competition. I did some of this uh, Grand Fondo-like races we have mm-hmm. in, in Central Europe. So this uh, like 150 kilometer races um, somewhere in the mountains uh, on the weekends, which was uh, which was pretty much fun. And there I learned and figured out the longer the races are. The more climbing they have, the more difficult they become, the better I do on them mm-hmm. and um, the more I like them. And uh, then at some point, it was more by accident. I was uh, I was traveling Spain in 2019 mm-hmm. and I was searching for something for any kind of race that i can ride there and actually they don't have this kind of grand fondo like races or something similar um and they don't have longer races so they they more have um this kind of criterium races stuff like this so really really short ones and the only thing which i found kind of interesting was a thing called ultra cycling bike pack racing and it was the transpyrenees going like thousand kilometers from east to west um all across the pyrenees 
-hmm. And I thought like, yeah, well, actually, I don't know. That's maybe a bit too long, but yeah, well, I don't know. Somehow it sounds interesting. <laughs> and um, so I tried this one with without having any clue what I'm doing. And I just, I just started riding. I thought like, yeah, it's a long ride and maybe it takes you like two or three days. And then it's basically a long ride for three consecutive days. And I got on this uh, race in the end. It took me, um, I guess, something like 48, 50 hours. Mm -hmm. um, and I won this race. And it was my my very first one. And um, I thought like, yeah, that's that's interesting. And the <laughs> organizer said, oh, obviously, you have some some kind of talent. And they invited me for another race they were organizing a few weeks later called uh, Transiberica, which was... Uh, I don't know, four times the length of uh, of Transpyrenees. So it was three and a half thousand kilometer. And I thought like, yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. And it took me two days and I signed up for it. And well, then then it got even, then it got only worse. And I got uh, got a bit stuck in this, uh, in this long distance thing. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is harder for you when it comes to these things, the mental or the physical? Mm, it's it's a wild mix i mean you have to do your homework um you have to do your training um to to really get your body ready um for this uh, this kind of challenge so this is um this is kind of of hard work and you need to put a lot of discipline in it mm -hmm. um but as as i do it on a on a more or less daily basis and training as has become part of my everyday life it doesn't feel like that hard anymore and um the mental component um is something very special you need to deal with it while you are on the bike while you are out there and um i mean every time when i'm out there racing I learned something new um, on the mental component and um, I add something to my, let's say, toolbox that I can open um, the next time and uh, that I can use like on the on the next event. But um, from my point of view, um, you can hardly prepare for all the situations and all the mental stuff um, that can happen out there. You just have to have to be flexible um, in mind to react um, on situations and find solutions and like help yourself. And um, yeah, I would say it's uh, it's kind of equal. It's it's both not easy, not mentally, not physically, but you have to deal with it. Mm. What does the training look like as you're going into these things? Because I imagine you don't want to completely like you're not doing 2700 miles, you know, in a 14 day span to prepare for a 14 day span race. So like, mm -hmm. how do you get your body ready without being too tired by the time you show up? I guess, um, or my training basically looks like not so much different than for any other kind of 
ambitious or professional cyclist. So I do something between, or let's say around 20 hours, 20 to 25 hours of training per week. Okay. And um, my normal sessions have something between two and four hours um, with different efforts. And um, yeah, from time to time, uh, from time to time, you have um, endurance blocks and the long endurance sessions. Um, the longest one I did this year, I guess, was like six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I don't go out for a twenty-hour training ride <laughs> to through uh, to to prepare for the next race. Um, you do pretty much like normal training, um, I would say. Um, you include um, different kinds of efforts, and um, yeah, you just um, you just focus not so much. I don't focus too much on on the high end efforts, so I don't do a lot of sprint training. I don't do um, a lot of uh, VO two max trainings or something because I don't need um, those those really peak power things Mm -hmm. i just really need to be able to carry on for ages in a in a a good pace Hmm. yeah it's a it's a different thing than most people are used to right like most people go and their biggest ride that they'll do in their life is six to ten hours right so something like this is is completely unheard of for a lot of people even even if it sounds fun at first i think people go into that like I think for people that have ever done like a 24 hour race, right. You look at yeah. it and you're like, okay, this is really fun until you get to yeah. about an hour, like hour eight is yeah. where it starts to turn dark for a lot of people. And then you're like, yeah. Oh, I have three more of these, you know, in order to yeah. make, make myself <laughs> do it. And I think that's a, uh, it's just a daunting thing for a lot of people, but it seems like that's actually what you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, after, after eight hours or 10 hours i'm not i haven't even started and (laughs) that's that's like just it it feels sometimes um on on the first day of the race you know uh i don't know until until 24 hours in the race everything feels super easy Mm. and it's just it's just an easy ride and often after something like 24 hours, you start or I start feeling that now it becomes like the race or the challenge it actually is. Mm. Then you need to really focus on on your nutrition, uh, on on drinking and drinking enough. Uh, you maybe get tired and stuff like this. Then it really gets like a bit more complicated but often the first day just feels like literally like an easy ride because um in this in this long distance races you try to avoid um this kind of threshold or above efforts Mm -hmm. you just (laughs) literally try to ride um in a high endurance level and therefore it's yeah it is just like an it's just an easy ride and you can do it forever yeah it's it's still so crazy to me nonetheless how like do you get are you finding yourself cranky like often at this point like is there a certain point 
after 24 hours where you're like, this is, this is fucked. Like, I, like, I don't want to, I don't want to keep doing that. Cause I, speaking from my own experience, like, like I said, six to eight hours in, I'm cranky. I'm mean, I'm hungry. Like, I don't want to do any of it anymore. Yeah. Well, normally not after it depends a bit on the outside conditions. So I did, for example, uh, races like Badlands in Europe, mm -hmm. um, where you cross the only desert uh, in Europe um, after, I don't know, 15 hours in the race or something. And you cross this desert in the middle of the afternoon. So when it's when the temperatures are insane and you're riding there just with always you can you cannot carry enough water because it's a long stretch where you don't find water and then you are riding in the in the burning sun in this incredible heat and then for sure i ask myself what and why i'm doing this <laughs> um it happens it happens it, it totally but it doesn't it's not fixed on the on the time so it doesn't happen after a certain amount of time it doesn't happen after eight hours or 12 hours or something it happens depending on the on the outside conditions if it's super hot or it's raining all the time and it's super cold or something like this uh, or if the terrain is super difficult um, or something goes wrong and your bike is like literally totally broken and you're you're struggling to 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 carry on or something like this then for sure i i question things and ask myself but um yeah that's 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 part of the game to to get over it and um, just to carry on and afterwards if you look back to those difficult situations where you thought like nah i don't want to continue and i cannot continue because it's shit because it's hard and if you do so and if you continue and look back afterwards it it makes you really really proud and really like feel good for it and that's worth all the hassle yeah for sure what speaking a little bit about water and nutrition and stuff how what does your nutrition planning look like for something that long I, I think that's a thing that people always struggle with is how to make themselves feel okay at the end of these long races runs rides whatever you hear like ultra runners talking about the things that they decide to eat during ultras and it's all over the place right like courtney dewalter is like big on mashed potatoes in a plastic baggie late in the right you know and it's just like it, do you have things like this that are like your go-to's that even after three days you still feel like eating yeah you have to it's it's really an individual thing and it really depends on the length i think if it's something that lasts for 24 or 36 hours so one to one and a half days then you probably depending on your stomach and stuff like this you can probably do it on sports nutrition so gels bars um this energy drinks uh drink mixes stuff like this um but afterwards when it gets longer you need to find out and really listen to 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 your stomach 
what you want to have and that's pretty pretty much individual and as you said like some people say mashed potatoes in in a in a plastic pack mm -hmm. um and there is like whatever you like um for me um i always need a mix of um of sweet and salty food and um i also need some something that i that i call solid food some some bread some burger some something like this where you really have some yeah um some some bread in it or something which which lasts a bit longer um where the stomach can work on it um for for a while and um so i am in the lucky uh, I am a bit lucky because my stomach literally processes everything that I just put in. So <laughs> I can eat everything um, on my races. Um, it's, I mean, every nutritionist or someone who takes care or thinks about nutrition probably thinks about I don't know, murdering himself uh, <laughs> when I talk about what I eat. Um, so on, on, on my long ride now, the Tour Divide, I basically eat everything you can get on gas stations, <laughs> which is just like chocolate bars, some kind of nuts and trail mixes, <laughs> strange burgers and, and wraps and like really, really, really shit food. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it has a lot of calories and as long as it is processed, it does the job. And the only job is you have to try to give your body as much calories as you can, because you will end up in a deficit of calories anyway. On a long day, I mean, there is a physical threshold what um, the stomach can process in calories per day. It's it's an individual it's an individual uh, value. You can yeah you can you can measure it, but it's often way lower than what is used. So on a normal day, um, on such long rides, um, my intake is two to four thousand calories lower um than what i actually need mm. and the rest has to be provided by yeah it's 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 using your fat reserves it's for sure also eating your muscles like everything the body is basically eating eating itself and so you have to make sure to put in as much as you can um to to avoid losing weight and losing muscles yeah it's funny you mentioned like eating gas station food and just eating garbage i think that's a that's a thing that cycling culture has very much embraced over like for mm -hmm. everybody doing long ride. there's a whole hole of the internet that lives on gas station food and loves to yeah. talk about you know going on a long ride and almost rewarding yourself but it's not just the reward it, it feels sometimes gas station food like for me it's a pepsi and an ice cream like if i get a pepsi and an yeah. ice cream four hours into a ride when i'm bonking it's like yeah. the best thing you could have ever done for me like it feels like i could go yeah. another two three hours. sometimes it's just what you need yeah definitely definitely um talk to me a little bit about the tour divide like that's a 
it's a huge undertaking. And for people that are unfamiliar, it's 2,745 miles, uh, hmm. 160,000 plus feet of climbing. And you did it in 14 days, three hours and 23 minutes, which is a little shy of the record, um, slightly different course, um, worth mentioning, but what, what was the whole experience like for you? Well, it was actually the longest race um, I ever did. So um, until then, the longest one was 10 days. I did last year the transcontinental race in mm -hmm. Europe, which was uh, which was road. And it took uh, it took 10 days. And now I did um, something similar, but off road. And off road is is totally different because um, it's a lot more strain and load for the body because i don't know on the road if you climb a mountain and you descend you just sit on the bike enjoy yourself eat relax rest whatever on the mountain bike if you go downhill you still have tension on your or on your muscles and you have to control the bike and you have to be concentrated so it's it's completely a different thing and it was definitely in every sense it was the biggest ride i ever did and um it was just it was just wonderful um because it was also my first time racing in the us mm -hmm. and it's just amazing to do um this route which goes from banff canada all along the rocky mountains southbound to new mexico to the border between uh, between the US and Mexico. And if you see this this long line afterwards on the map, you realize <laughs> you have crossed the whole United States from north to south. It's just yeah, it's amazing. It's it's incredible. Even for me. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you find yourself still enjoying the scenery, still enjoying being outside at that point? Totally. Totally. I mean, the um, the landscape was so fascinating for me, and it was changing changing a lot. And um, for sure, you have um, you have dark moments, and you have you have hours where you absolutely hate everything, and you hate cycling, and you hate yourself, <laughs> and I don't know, you hate the rest of the world. And I had some moments, um, I don't know, after after nine days, I woke up in the morning in a hotel room and uh, overnight I tried, I slept like three hours and I tried to charge my, my power meter, but um, I didn't connect the, um, the plug to charge it. I didn't connect it like, correctly, <laughs> so it wasn't really charging overnight and I got up and I saw that I connected it, but not probably. So it was not charging correctly. And I saw it and I started crying. And I, I cried for like 45 minutes, <laughs> not because of the power meter, but because of everything was so hard and the power meter wasn't charged. And I hated sleeping for three hours. <laughs> and I hated my bike because it was totally dirty and wasted and everything. <laughs> and my shoes were wet and I hated getting back into them and I hated everything. <laughs> I was just sitting there crying and for no, for absolutely no reason. And then I, 
I forced myself to get into my kit and to get out there and to leave this fucking hotel and <laughs> just get out and ride. And it took like one more hour or something. It was early in the morning at six or something and the sun came out and I was riding in the mountains and then the joy came back. So you have this really dark moments and hours, but the day has 24 hours. And if you have a really bad day, you you are not happy for two or three hours, whatever, but you still have 20, 21, 22 hours left and you can enjoy them. So the majority of the day and the hours you you have the chance to enjoy. And I really did. Yeah. Is the night I imagine is the hardest part. Like when you're just riding in the dark for you, it's, it's gotta be, it's demoralizing. I think there's an event in New Hampshire here that that's called last gear standing. And it's basically one lap up one lap down. It's like 1500 vertical feet, every lap. And you have to be at the start every hour on the top of the hour in order to still qualify. And it's basically like the last person standing wins. And everybody every year says the night, like as soon as nighttime comes, it's when everybody's mood changes. It's when everybody feels like they're in mentally their darkest place. And I mean, this yeah. thing goes for three days plus at the, like 70 hours straight of this. And people aren't sleeping for more than like, if you're lucky, you sleep for 10 minutes, you know, every, every hour it's, yeah. uh, so I imagine for you, the darkness is, is an extremely difficult part. Um, definitely. I mean, it, um, it, it depends a bit, um, on the, on the terrain, on the, on the weather and on the, on the outside conditions and on your, your motivation, but, um, you're totally right. Um, I always try for me, the darkest hour and the most difficult hour is typically something between four and or three and four and sunrise. Mm. And I can, I can struggle a lot in those, those hours if I'm not sleeping. And as soon as sunlight came, I'm like, totally changed <laughs> the mood totally changes and you're you, with sunlight motivation comes back and you say like oh that that will be a beautiful day and everything changes within seconds mm. but during night as you say it changes because you don't see anything and it's just <laughs> boring the only thing you see is is the light in front of you and like the three stones or whatever, yeah, the, the the five meters of tarmac in front of you, and nothing else, and that's so super boring. And you miss beautiful landscapes, and everything is just just black and gray and dark, and you see some shadows, but nothing else. And yeah, that's just that's just boring for for the mind, and the brain has nothing to do, and then it gets difficult. Yeah. What was the most difficult part physically of the entire event? Oh, there were, I don't know if there is a, uh, there, there were a few. Um, there is not the, the top one 
thing which was which was outstanding nothing was nothing was super hard super super hard but a few things were just hard like the first week we had a lot of rain and it was raining literally every day for at least 12 to 15 hours so even if i had a good rain kit some parts like the feet like the shoes like the socks they are wet all the time and they never dry and at some point um yeah your feet just get sore and it's it's not super painful but it's this level between yeah um it's it's annoying yeah it's 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 not super painful it doesn't stop you but you feel it with every pedal stroke that it's not fine right and that's it it can it can get like really really difficult for um for the mind to process it i was pretty much lucky that i had no no big issues um like with muscles with the knees with like saddle sores or anything um so i had hadn't had any problem um for two weeks there um but anyway you have to deal with um with a lot of uh yeah situations and issues i don't know in in colorado we were climbing up to 11 and a half thousand feet and you feel the altitude and it makes climbing harder it's not surprising you know it beforehand um that it will get a bit harder there so for me it wasn't super hard but still it was hard and so you had a bunch of situations in the end in new mexico it got super hot Mm -hmm. and you had to ride it was 40 it was like 100 degrees (laughs) fahrenheit and you had to ride out there in the burning sun and you had to think about where to refill water and and stuff like this this was also hard it could have been worse it could have been like i don't know 120 degrees (laughs) so it wasn't super hard but (laughs) it was hard enough (laughs) what how did you feel at the end when you finally completed it and you won i mean what was what was the feeling like when you finally crossed the line um that's a good question because um actually the last the last hours like the uh, the last 50 miles or something i thought it would be super nice just it was tarmac it was flat there was no climbing anymore it was a straight road and i thought like yeah just use those hours to process or to start processing the full ride and really get into the mood of enjoying crossing the finish line you worked for it two weeks and now get ready for this one and like concentrate on on celebrating yourself and then i was there and i had super 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 strong headwind and i suffered so much to get those last miles done that i totally forgot to to focus on on being happy crossing the finish line and the the last fun thing that happened literally one mile out of the finish 
my rear tire lost air so i basically punctured and i was riding on on a puncturing rear tire across the finish line and i <laughs> literally had to concentrate on this rear tire that it didn't like get off or i crashed like five meter out of the finish or something <laughs> and i still had to deal with so much things until crossing the finish line that i that it was hard to really focus on on this moment and um <laughs> the only thing which was which was really emotional and really cool is i put my bike um i mean you end up on the border to mexico and there is nothing but this fence and i just put my bike on this fence and i just touched this fence and i thought just for half a minute how epic it is to touch this fence here and now because two weeks ago i was in in canada <laughs> which is which is far far away and i did nothing but, but cycling for two weeks and now i'm here on the border to mexico and the next good thing what i did and really celebrated i just sat down i sat on the floor took my shoes off took my socks off and just sat there and the cool thing was i was able to sit there and there was no hurry at all i there was no reason to get up again i was i could have sit there for like hours and there was nothing what i had to do and that's totally different if you are like in a hurry for two weeks and every time you stop you have this you have this clock in mind which is ticking and you do everything pretty much efficient. And you, if you are in a gas station, you hurry getting your stuff into the bag and paying it and just smashing things in your bike packs and just, just getting away and ride on. And then you, you finish there and you sit down and you think, yeah, I can sit here. There is no hurry. The clock has stopped. All good. Hmm. When you when you finally finish is there any part of you that thinks about the record overall like and i know it's a different course so it's a different it's a different thing kind of than the original record but is there any part of you that's like okay i was only a few hours off of the all-time record do you do you are you hard on yourself with that stuff like do you do you care at all because in my mind you're like okay like i could have lost an hour here i could have lost an hour here you know like it's 12 days yeah. it's you're so close to it yeah um yeah i did care but um it was my goal um before i started um i said i will go on the tour divide not only to win it um but also to attack the record mm -hmm. and I was I also stated that I am aware that attacking the record is not only about the part that I wanted but it's also and I said like yeah maybe 20% of it um I can influence on myself and mm -hmm. the other 80% is more like let's say what the trail wants to allow me to do mm -hmm. and 
this is stuff you don't have under your control and it's um it's about the weather it's about the wind it's about the outside conditions and um until halfway point i was fairly ahead like six hours ahead of the record and then i hit the great divide basin um in in wyoming and the weather it was raining the ground was so bad it was so muddy that there was no chance to continue and i thought like if the conditions are normal it will take me like nine hours to cross this basin in the end it took 26. oh my god so so, so <laughs> i lost 14 hours there and there was absolutely no chance to carry on and to to do something something faster um in this night i had a time where i did a progress of one to 1.5 miles per hour oh so my i was God. basically crawling it wasn't it wasn't possible to carry the bike on the back and hike because the mud got below your shoes and your your shoes like weighted I don't know 20 times what they normally weigh so you you were not able to walk it was literally knee deep peanut butter mud nothing <laughs> what you can do against it and you couldn't get away it was not like on just on this route it was 10 meters next to it it was 20 meters next to it, it was just all over the place and no chance to escape and there you lose a lot of time and you cannot do anything and this is what i mean what the trail allows you to do you cannot do anything and um in the end i managed um to catch up with the record time and um in pie town i catch the record dot um again and i thought if i now ride on then there is still the chance and i had something like I don't know 400 miles to go and i thought if i now carry on um i still have the chance to to get the record but it had um it would mean to not stop for the last 50 to 60 hours mm. not not sleeping <clears throat> and um i did a simple risk assessment and figured out if i do it i can win the record but in the same moment i can lose everything i did within the last 12 or 13 days mm. and in the end i just decided to get a few hours of sleep and i slept like two and a half hours the last night and then i did um the last uh, 400 miles and in one go and um in the end, I, I won the race with uh, with a good uh, good advantage of um, of Justinas, the guy who came second, and I did it kind of risk free. And I thought, if I take all this risk, I mean, you can crash. You do you do stupid things because you are just like sleep deprived and everything, and the the price you pay if you lose everything is much higher than just losing this virtual record and um so i was fine with it beforehand and i had um, had other goals if i would be not able um to catch the record 
So I'm totally fine with my entire ride. I did my very best and I'm pretty, pretty proud of it because um, I'm happy that I was able to, to keep up with the record time, even if everybody says in 2016, when the record was set, the conditions were perfect. Like they had good weather, they had uh, had tailwind in the end. I had uh, I had headwind for the last five days. So considering all those conditions, um, I came four and a half hours later um, than the record. And um, everybody says this um, this change in the course already is like adding four hours to the record time. Mm. So if you if you do simple math, you can say, yeah, he came 30 minutes late. And I'm totally fine with it because it means even if the conditions were so bad with all the rain in the first week, getting stuck in this great divide basin for 14 hours, having headwind for the last five days, I did an amazing job and I'm totally happy with it. And um, that's that's fine for me. So I'm not not too hard about not having the record yeah yeah and i mean you shouldn't be like there's no <laughs> you you won and you completed this insane feat this absolutely like a small 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 percentage of the entire world has ever done this you know like it's a never mind won it so i think there's no reason to be hard on yourself but i guess my my next and one of my last questions is what what do you do next do you do this again next year do you you have other long races like this that you intend to do this year like and, and honestly i hate this question because like whenever somebody completes this insane feat you, you like the last thing i would want to hear is like oh yeah you did that okay cool on to the next thing but <laughs> but genuinely i wonder where your head's at like is this a thing there's this like food analogy right it's like when you throw up a food you get stomach poisoning or something from a food, you never want that food again. It never tastes the same to you after a certain <laughs> point. Racing can be like that sometimes. Is this is this the case for you? Uh, no. Um, so I'm pretty much sure um, I will not um, not do the, do the Tour Divide next year. And um, I'm totally sure I will not chase the record because, as I said, um, 80% is not under your control and the investment is is so big you right. have to prepare for half a year half a year and then you have to go out and race for 14 days and only in the end you know you got the record or you missed it or whatever um so I will not definitely will not chase the record or anything and um I will not um do tour divide next year or too soon again because I just did it and mm. I just experienced it and then I loved it. And um maybe I do it someday again, maybe in a different format. Maybe I start in the south and, and go north or I go go touring, I don't know. Um, but for the moment I'm just happy I did it. And there is so much more um that uh, that I can do. And there's so much more um, that uh, that fascinates me, and that I that that I just want to do. Um, that I focus more on things that I haven't done, and um, on on parts of the world where I haven't written yet. And I prefer to do them first before I again 
invest 14 days riding the same route that I already did. Mm. And um, so for now, for this year, um, I'm currently in the process um, of figuring out what's what's next. So um, I have uh, I have a long list of um, of things um, that I still want to ride, and uh, now I'm just uh, just checking what's possible this year. Um, what's uh, actually on my short list um, is, for example, um, the Rhino Run. It's um, it's a race in South Africa and um, and Namibia. Um, that's super interesting. Um, also, um, Baja Divide um, in Mexico mm. um, would uh, would love to see um, see this. Um, there is the um, the Across Andes race in Chile. Um, end of this year already did it last year, but um, this year they changed the route. And um, they go more to the south, more to to Patagonia, mm. and uh, I never was there, um, so this is still um, still an interesting one um, for me. Um, planning this kind of um, events and adventures, it's also a good way to to explore the world, and that's why I'm I'm mostly looking for things um, outside Europe currently. Um, because uh, the last years I did quite a lot um, of races and events and stuff all across Europe, and I have have the feeling I saw like all of Europe on the bike, even mm. if I didn't. But it feels a bit like it, and um, it also feels like there is so much you can see in the world, which is super interesting. Or, for example, um, also thought about um, the Jordan Trail. Um, or the Holy Land Challenge in in, in Israel, um, something like this, um, something which which is a bit exotic for the Central European guy that I am, and I just try to to find a good way to explore the world with uh, this kind of uh, of riding the bike, and um, this will be this will be next, and um, there will be something. This year, I I have to do something. This year, I'm not, I'm not yet done. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. I I I'm still in in awe of what you did. I think it's incredible, and I think uh, record or no record, I think this is something to be extremely proud of. Yeah, it it makes me totally happy. Definitely. Um, last thing for you, um, then I'll let you get out of here. Where, where can people follow along with you on Instagram? If there, if you have a website, if you have other places where you like people contacting you, where, where can people find you to talk more about this? Uh, so the, the main thing I use is, uh, is Instagram. Just, um, just search for for my name. Um, and, uh, you probably will find me. Um, so that's that's the main place, uh, or just Google my name and you will find my website. Um, and uh, there you will find also um, all the links to um, to my social channels. And uh, yeah, happy um, to get uh, in touch with every uh, everyone who has uh, any questions and whom I can help with uh, any kind of recommendations or questions. I'm always always happy to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. 